Hello, and welcome to the Gargoyle Podcast, where we take movies seriously, just not ourselves. I'm Nathan, a.k.a. the Gargoyle. And I'm Eric, a.k.a. the Chimerican. And uh, we're back to our CFF 2019 coverage. What? What? Back. I don't know why Did I said we ever it that stop? way. Well, you know, we had that very small <laughs> interlude with the uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid thing. That's true. Wait, crap. This is not when this episode's coming out. I don't know when this episode's coming out. Yeah. I'm not going to go back and undo what we just did. <laughs> so, Well, everyone knows that we are time travelers. So, yes. You know, it gets a little, sometimes the timelines kind of, you know, converge in our heads a little bit. And it's hard to tell really where we are at any given moment. Yeah. Or just like we record things out of order is probably a much more logical explanation. Yeah, but that's boring. All right, fine. We're time travelers and we're on, um, we've split the timeline and what happened is, yeah, no, this is the first episode what that happened we've... is it doesn't matter because time travel is nonsensical as it's supposed to be. No, it totally makes sense. Uh, no, this is the first episode that we've recorded since we did our Tigers Are Not Afraid uh, piece. Um, we still have the interview with Junk Food Cinema, well, with Brian Salisbury from Junk Food Cinema, with Elric Kane, um, Rob Galuzzo, and Rebecca McKendry from Shockwaves Podcast, and Mallory O'Meara, um, author of The Lady from the Black Lagoon. We have all three of those interviews that we recorded at Chat Film Fest, and I don't know when they're coming out. I don't know if I will, will have released all three of those before this one comes out, or if I'm going to space them out to where it's like, uh, you know, an interview from CFF, and then some reviews, and then an interview, then some reviews. I don't know. Well, that's something you should know, but that's okay. It's something that I should know, but we have a lot of review, a, a lot of reviews to get through. So, I just want to get all the stuff recorded, and then it'll come out when it comes out. Exactly. Yeah. The, the inner workings of the Gargano podcast, <laughs> <laughs> where we this don't is, plan things ahead of time, and so we just ramble. So you through get a behind-the-scenes look at the Gargano podcast. <laughs> Which I know is exactly why you're all here. Exactly. Um, no, they're here to listen to us talk about movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's do that. All yeah. right. Well, before we do that, two very interesting and very minor things. Um, <laughs> not not minor. Two things that are not directly talking about movies. But one of them does directly relate to CFF. Uh, Chris Dorch uh, tweeted out a very, I feel like, complimentary tweet about the gargoyle podcast and apparently our love for movies shines through so that's good to know but yeah that was super complimentary he's he's so nice he like, really he's is just the nicest guy in the world and like i appreciate his support so much and his generosity and everything about the chat film fest like it was just such a wonderful weekend and it's exciting that we get to like hang on to that for a little bit longer through <laughs> these reviews. Um, to <laughs> for like point, another month or so, well, yeah. Well, to the point where we basically are dedicating a quarter of the year to chat film fest coverage. With all of the pre-fest coverage and then the actual festival and then get it, yeah, yeah just it's, about. It's about a quarter of the year, it really is. <laughs> yeah. But it's awesome. Like, I'm totally cool with that. Yeah, I, I am perfectly fine with that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad to know that our excitement and love for cinema shines through our ramblings and that it's not just like, all right, these two idiots again. Um, although both are also true. So. Yes, it is very true. But it is nice to have validation because, you know, without... without a whole lot of feedback it's kind of hard to tell well and because we genuinely love cff which is why we're talking about it so much uh the other interesting thing that happened on twitter scott farkas followed me today so that's fun 
Yeah, that's pretty awesome. He followed me first. Fine, whatever. Uh, <laughs> he followed me a few weeks back. The actor, Zach Ward. Um, he, he followed me on Twitter, and most people will recognize him as Scott Farkas from A Christmas Story. And uh, yeah, Twitter is just a fascinating place where this movie that I've watched, I don't know how many hundreds of times since I was a kid. It's like, oh, hey, that dude, he he's he's followed me. And if he actually listens to the podcast, like that's that's cool. Yeah, that would be interesting. I want because like he followed he followed me a little while back, and then he followed you later. So it's like I'm wondering how like how do we pop up on his radar? That I, is that's fascinating to me. I don't know. Um, but Zach, if you're listening, um, th- we we love your work, and yeah. I need to go watch more of the horror movies that you're in. He's in Sharknado. He is in Sharknado. He's also so. in uh, Blood Lake, I want to say, about lampreys, leeches, something. I haven't seen that one, so I don't know. I think I've seen that one. Anywho, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's in a lot of horror movies now, which means that he's always been in horror movies, because they're Christmas story I like to think of as a horror movie, is because there, of course I do. Is there any movie that you don't think of as a horror movie? Nope. Cause, because I'm pretty sure you literally think of every movie that you watch as a horror movie. Yep. So I like to think that A Christmas Story is really just a prequel to Black Christmas. It really so, is. Yeah. So like, I'd like to think that uh, either Scott or his little toady grew up to be the dude in the house. Like, it makes more sense for Scott Farkas to be the one where, like, he got, he was just so tormented by the fact that Ralphie beat him up <laughs> that he, uh, he just couldn't live with it anymore. So he goes and lives in an attic of a house. And because that terrible thing took place around Christmas, that's when he exacts his revenge. I like it. Yeah. It's probably like Ralphie and, uh, and them probably live like maybe just a few blocks down from the sorority house or something. Yeah. It totally works. Yeah. I mean, I've, I think it does. The timing fits, doesn't it? It kind of does, yeah, because the... Cause the From like 50s to 70s? 50s. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Boom. I, I just cracked Black <laughs> Christmas wide open. This is what we do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're so dumb. Uh, all right, so... <clears throat> We're going through and we're doing all of our CFF coverage, and um, we're going to be talking about every movie... Uh, that played at the film fest that we were able to see. And it's a lot of movies, not quite as many movies as I've covered in the past because we were just doing a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might not be the same number of movies as previous festivals, um, but we're still going to show as much love as possible to everything that we saw. And some of us have more love than others. Um, <laughs> but like, so I, I want to do four reviews for every single movie. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're doing. However, um, it, it was pointed out to me that when we were doing our 60 days of Halloween, at, at least one of my friends was like, yeah, I had to stop following you during then because I was tired of getting a daily <laughs> notification about another podcast. So rather than flooding people's um, subscriptions with just like daily podcasts for the next month or so, um, we're going to be combining them. So we'll have like three or four movies per episode. Mm. We're still going to do the four reviews. So we're still going to be talking about prior information slash expectations, technical components, emotional uh, reactions, um, how rewatchable is it, and who we recommend it for. So we're still going to go through all Mm. of those same components. They just might not be – we probably aren't going to get into quite as many sidetracks as we usually do. Yeah. Well, we talked about this too in that most of these movies are movies that – 
are not available for public consumption yet. Right. So we can't really dive into them, especially into like the spoilery stuff. Um, it, with this first movie, especially, it's going to be really kind of hard to talk about, I think. Yeah, with some of the super detailed stuff about like, oh man, this one scene at the end that like totally makes the movie we can't talk about. Right, yeah. So we really are just going to be giving you just like our brief thoughts on how we feel about the movie and not really discussing too much uh, in terms of the plot. Right. And ah, man, on some of them, that's going to be really hard because on some of them, I feel like we have to talk about some of those things. But we are going to do our best to be as non-spoilery as possible. Um, so in this episode, we're going to be talking about... Um, so all of the movies today are... Like, they're, they're family-ish friendly, where you might not watch them with, like, a little kid. But, you know, you, you could probably watch them with older kids, young teens. Yeah, I think mostly. so. Mostly. Uh, so we're going to be talking about Freaks, Dead Detectives, um, Body at Brighton Rock, and The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yes. So let's start with Freaks. Uh, and again, prior information slash expectations, technical components, emotional reaction, um, recommend, no, rewatchability and recommendations. So yes. prior information for Freaks, what you got? So uh, not much. Uh, before <laughs> I had seen them, like they didn't even have a trailer for this movie uh, prior to when we watched at the film festival. So that was one thing I really liked about it. Like there was like one still, I think of uh, Emil Hirsch and um, the little girl that plays Chloe. I can't think of her name right off the top of my head. Um, But uh, yeah, I I basically just knew that. Lexi Coker? Yes, that's it. I had it in my notes here, but I didn't feel like searching for it. Um, So yeah, I didn't really know much about it other than that it's about like a father and daughter who are stuck in a house and there's something crazy going on in the outside world. So it's very much like a, it felt like a 10 Cloverfield lane kind of setup. Um, so I was expecting something similar to that. Uh, the, the only other thing I knew is that the directors, um, Zach Lepofsky and Adam B. Stein, uh, previously directed the Kim possible live action movie for the Disney channel, which, uh, I thought was just, <laughs> I was it, like, that was an interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting choice to have, like, that they went from, I think they might have actually even done Freaks first, maybe. Um, Technically, according to IMDb, yes, because the date under Freaks is 2018 and the date under Kim Possible is 2019. Yeah, so I don't know how that how that exactly works, if it really is, if they really did shoot this one first. Or they are also it. time travelers. Exactly, yes. There are a lot more of us out there in the world. Yeah. It's good. It's nice. It's a good thing we're not like Highlander. We're like we're trying to destroy everyone else, and there can be only one. Um, or are we? Man, I hope not. Okay, let's. We, we need to. This podcast would like really suck <laughs> if it just went back to one of us. <laughs> right. So, uh, anything else on prior information? Um, I knew it had Emil Hirsch and Bruce Dern, and they're awesome. What? Uh, th- that's the same prior information that I had just like yeah. not a whole lot. Um, we had the description that was in the, um, the, the, the CFF announcements and, um, yeah, like that was, that was about it. Um, what about the expectations? Like what was your expectation of freaks? I didn't really know. Like I, like I said, I, th- I expected something along the lines of something like 10 Cloverfield Lane where it was just going to be a movie that's set kind of in one location and more about like character drama and unraveling some kind of mystery about what's going on in the outside world. 
Um, so I was hoping for it to be good, and I really enjoyed the movie. So it met my expectations. So the uh, the description on IMDb is, and the, part of the reason that I'm going with the IMDb descriptions on most of these is because, um, like that's where a lot of people go to read their descriptions, and most people probably aren't going to go to the CFF website to read what they had about it. Uh, plus, on some of them, I think there is some overlap. But anyways, the IMDb description is in this genre-bending psychological sci-fi thriller. A bold girl discovers a bizarre, threatening, and mysterious new world beyond her front door after she escapes her father's protective and paranoid control. So, that again, I think that was along the same lines of what was uh, posted in the CFF description. Mm. And with that, I was expecting it to be... I, I was expecting it to be a bit more a bit more paranoidy, I guess. Like, I, yeah. I expected there to be a lot more tension and maybe uh, for it to be a lot darker. Mm-hmm. And there, it definitely does get dark at times, but it doesn't get nearly as dark as what I expected from the, uh, from the description. And that's not a bad thing. Like, I was, I was going into this thinking, like, oh, man, it's going to be, like, some super paranoid dad uh, living with his daughter, and you're going to think that um, he's just, like, super crazy, but then there's going to be all these demons just attacking the house. Like, I was expecting it to be way more like that. Yeah. Um, And I'm glad that it didn't go where I expected it. I'm glad that it went the route that it did because even though, again, it does get kind of dark at times, it was like a, a pseudo-bright-ish spot in, uh, in some pretty dark movies that we saw. Yeah, it was um, a little bit. Especially some of the things that we saw leading up to this year. And just yes, very much so. Um, but but yeah, um, it it wasn't what I expected, but that was a good thing. So what do you think of it from a technical standpoint? So that was that's kind of jumping off what you were saying from a technical standpoint. The one thing that I really liked about the movie is that right from the beginning is it sets up this very compelling mystery where it's like constantly dangling carrots in front of your face of, or like little tidbits that are really interesting. Like you've got Emil Hirsch um, coaching his daughter Chloe and making her say things like about how, I don't want to say too much about it, but he's like coaching her and making her say things that is not something you would expect a parent to be saying to their child. Right. It's like the exact opposite of what most parents would be saying to their child. And, you know, he sets up this thing like you can never go outside and you get like all these like brief glimpses of what's outside and it seems normal, but with something like slightly off. Um, So it builds this very, very interesting mystery right from the get-go. The only downside to that is I think the movie kind of reveals its hand a little too early in in that, like, the answers to the mystery aren't quite as as compelling as the mystery itself. Sure. Um, But what I... other side of that is I think it's a movie that's constantly changing your expectations of what it is. Um, Like, it, it morphs from like one movie into another into another at a fairly like rapid clip I think where it's never the movie you think it's going to be right so I don't disagree with you but also I disagree with you um (laughs) so in terms of like the mystery I especially in terms of like the they show their hand a little too early and it gets rid of some of the mystery I don't feel like the mystery is the point of the movie and I agree it's just that the way the movie starts off it feels like that's what it's going to be. And I think for a lot of people, it's going to be a plus. Like I know a lot of people feel very anxious and like they want things to be answered. I'm not right. that kind of person. 
So I think for most people, it's like it's not going to be a problem. It's just for me, like I liked the mystery of it, and it doesn't take very long for you to kind of figure out pretty much everything. Yeah, and like on. if you are expecting the mystery, like if you do want it to be a what's real, what isn't throughout the entire movie, then yeah, that's not what you're going to get. But again, like even though based on the description, that might be some of what you expect. That's not what the movie is about. It is so much more about that family dynamic with uh, with the father and daughter and just seeing how they grow and how they respond to each other. Mm. And, and yeah, some of the things that are revealed, um, some of the things that are revealed are revealed very early. But to me, I'm glad that they do that because then you, you're able to focus on that family dynamic mm-hmm. rather than focus on, um, well, what is this? What's real? What's not? So yeah. like, cause right at the beginning I was thinking some of that, like, Oh, is it this? Is it this? And as soon as they started showing things, it's like, okay, cool. It's this. I can just focus on this and just look at the characters now. So for me, I really appreciated that rather than it being just one giant mystery. Yeah, I like that. And I think that all of the characters have really interesting arcs where you're constantly wrestling with how you feel about their decisions. Yeah. Like they're all pretty, they're all kind of flawed and some characters that you think are a little more. The, the, I'm trying to stop you from saying too many spoilers. No, I'm not going to say. Yeah. The decisions the characters make are definitely the decisions that make sense for the characters that are built within this universe. Yes. They are not always the decisions that you think should be made. Yes. But I love that. I love the fact that the decisions are congruent with the character and not expectations. Yes. Sometimes they're expectations, but... It's, it's not looking at, oh, well, what would the audience member do here? Because I, I do think some movies tend to go that route yeah. of, well, the audience is going to be pissed if a character does this because they'd be like, oh, this isn't what I would do. But for this movie, it's what the characters would do, and it makes complete sense. Um, totally agree. And the the performances overall are, are fantastic, especially Lexi Colker, who plays Chloe. Yeah. She's really the protagonist of the film. Like most of the movie is shown from her eyes and she's incredible. She's like nine years old and she outperforms every other person in this movie. And like, it's absolutely a star making turn and I can't wait to see like what else she does. Um, but she's terrific. Like she just projects so much like confident I, I like she just seems wise beyond her years she doesn't yeah. feel like a precocious child in the in the movie but she just has this kind of maturity about her that is perfect for the role that she's playing and it's it's a fantastic performance yeah like she doesn't feel like a typical child actress like she it, it, it is a solid film um, yeah, and like it's it's one of those things too like you really get a sense of who she is as a person and it really helps you to understand her perspective on things in a way that I think is completely necessary because of the situations that happen in this movie and how removed from reality they are. Um, And like, that's one of the other things, especially in terms of like understanding where these characters are coming from. I, I feel like this movie does a great job of setting up just it it does a great job of setting up the world that they live in, not only mm-hmm. in terms of establishing the rules of the universe and those rules make sense. They explain just enough so that you get it, 
but it's not about those rules. You know, it's yeah. not about this other thing because, again, it's focusing on the family dynamic. But yeah. also, even with the set dressing inside the house, like there's so many just little things that are like drawn on the walls or um, like stuff written inside of a closet and just like all of the stuff that you see inside the house. It's not explicitly pointed out like, hey, this thing right here is explaining this. It's just there. And like yeah. after you get like, oh, that's what's going on. Then like looking around at all of those things, it's like, oh, oh, wow. Yeah, that that explains a lot. And and so I love Love, love the fact that they show, not tell, mm-hmm. and that they clearly establish the rules of the universe, and that they focus on the characters in such a way that um, that even if there are some things where it's like, well, wait a second, I don't entirely get this, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, and it's got a good mix of different genre elements, too. <laughs> like, there's some, early on in the movie, there's some horror elements that are pretty great. And Well, it is like, a genre-bending psychological sci-fi thriller. I know, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a that's a great way to describe it, because it really does mix all of these different genres in, in a fun way. Like, it kind of reminds me a lot of, like, the early Amblin movies, in a way, but not... It doesn't feel like it's pandering. Like right. as much as I love something like Stranger Things, it's obviously very much pandering to. Oh, we're going to be just like those Steven Spielberg movies that you loved as a kid. This movie does that, but without feeling like it's trying to be that. It still very much feels like its own thing. Yeah, and especially because, and uh, this can lead into some of the uh, emotional response. Mm-hmm. The movie does get dark, like yeah, not nearly as dark as it could, but the tonal thing is really weird to me because it starts off feeling like this kind of YA, like young adult thriller, I feel like. But then like it, there's some pretty shocking violence in this movie that like on the one hand, it kind of made it even more impactful because it was so much worse than I expected. And it goes to much darker places than I expected. Um, but on the other hand, like it almost feels out of place. And I have a feeling that like if this, when this movie comes out, it's probably going to be trimmed. Like, I feel like they're going to trim. Man, I hope not. In its current state, it's an R rated movie. I think, I think it's, I mean, there's no rating on it right now, but I feel like it's probably going to be. I don't think it's an R. Mm. I think that it's a PG 13 with some caution. I think it's a PG 13 with some cuts. I don't. Don't. It's close. It's I, very okay. close. Remove the kid, and it's an e- easy PG thirteen. The I think fact that a kid is involved is where there could be some potential. Like, but this isn't for kids. Well, it's just I feel like it lingers on some of the violence and some of the reactions to the violence a little too long in places to the point where it's pretty disturbing at times. And I don't know. I I just feel like the MPA I... would. would probably give this an r rating i hope not because i don't want it to be a restricted film because it's I agree. not it's family friendly ish and it's a, and it's told from a child's perspective so i think that children would really would relate to this movie but so it gets pretty dark man so really here's does. the thing and uh, you know how we do where sometimes uh, as we're going through the the various topics like we jump back and forth a little bit this is a little bit of the technical side um, to your point of there's some pretty drastic tonal shifts that make sense. No, the, that makes the sense. The tonal yeah. shifts are you've been viewing everything that's happening 
through the perspective of this one character. And then when there is a drastic shift, it's because now you're viewing the world as this character sees it. And so it's the exact same world, but it's just giving you a, you're viewing it through the innocent eyes of a child. Now you're viewing it through the very jaded eyes of someone who's lived through things. And then you're viewing it. So like each of those tonal shifts, I don't feel like it's the movie being incongruent within itself. I feel like it's giving you this is how this person sees the world. Mm. And when you see the world that they, when you see the world that they see, it makes sense why they do sometimes the questionable things that they do. Yeah. So that's why the tonal shift didn't bug me at all is because I felt like it was guiding you through getting to know more of the characters. That's, that's what I think at least. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely congruent with, with the world that's set up. It's just, it, it was it was surprising to me. I think like sure, it just was definitely surprising. It wouldn't have been. Ah, uh, we won't get into it. But yeah, yeah we, we can't get into too much. And that's one of the things that I do hate about discussing movies that are so new. It's like, man, we really could spend like an hour talking about each of the movies. Ah, but we don't want to give away too much because I want there to be enough mystery and enough. And with not- freaks, it's especially difficult because again, yeah. it reveals a lot of stuff very early on. So, like, there's only a very small section of the movie that we can kind of talk about without spoiling anything. But, yeah, and, well, I, I don't know. I feel like we've done a decent job of talking about how the tonal shifts match the characters and how, exactly. like, as... All right, so the uh, the description of um, the threatening mysterious new world beyond her front door. So, the more that... The more that Chloe sees of the world, the more that you see of the world. So yeah. even though it is very driven by her perception, again, like when there are some tonal shifts, it's giving you uh, a, a different perspective from one of the other characters. But as things get darker, some of that is also understanding this is more of how she is viewing the world and the impact that that has. Yeah. So, yeah, I I love this movie. I really like it a lot. I think it's I think it's great. Um, this is my emotional response. I think that it's a very emotional movie at times too. Like there's yeah. there's a lot of heavy stuff that happens that like I found like I found myself really moved by it. But I also like there were times where I felt like I should have been more moved by it in a way. Like I'm a crier. I'm sure. just gonna say it. Like I I get very I feel I get very emotional when I watch movies. And there are some. Like there's some rough stuff that happens in this movie where I was I was watching it I was like I feel like I should be fighting back tears right now and I'm not and I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with the movie because of that but I was like as I'm watching I'm like why isn't this like why isn't this bothering me more like why am I, why do I not feel more emotional about this I and I don't wonder, really know I wonder if it's because why. the characters aren't easy characters so like it for me at least there are a few scenes towards the end that definitely made me really sad but um, things that had happened earlier in the movie, I was mad at the character. And so like, there's just a, there's just such a wide gamut of emotions of, do I like this character? Do I not yeah. like them? Do I trust them? Well, and do I think they're bad? Do I think they're good? Do I think they're misguided? And so like, then as bad things are happening, it's just like, I, but I, ah, I don't know for whew. me though. Like uh, there's a child involved, the child that is uh, almost the same age as my, oldest son and so like i feel like because of that 
I should have. I feel like I should have reacted more, and I don't understand why. It's probably a problem with me and not the movie, but still. But again, like when I don't think this is a too spoilery. The dad makes some questionable decisions. When the dad makes a questionable decision, if that has you more like, oh, I would never do that. Like if that breaks you from identifying with him. I honestly though, I feel like I identify with him the most because the. It's like he makes bad decisions, but they're understandable decisions. And right. the consequences of those decisions are something that like I connected with and I identified with. I think that that's where I like I found myself um, being moved by the movie the most mm-hmm. um, because of how much I empathize with him. Um, but I also get exactly what you're saying. Like there, there are definitely some things where I'm like, I, I don't think I would ever do that. And I really don't agree with this decision. Yeah. But they're still, again, congruent with the character. Yeah. And, and again, like, I think that that maybe is why it was a little bit harder to get too emotional is because like you, you root for some of the characters, but also, ah, oh, man, it's, <laughs> yeah. whew, I, and I like hmm. that about it. I like the, the movie is not content to just be an easy fun movie i enjoyed it a lot i think it's a fantastic movie and i i like the play the direction it went overall um i think it's a really really strong film for these directors and i it makes me really excited to see um what else they have in store for us in the future oh totally impossible movie (laughs) i'd love to see i would love to see them go darker in a movie just because i want to see where they can go with it if they really push themselves for sure uh all right how rewatchable do you think it is yes Yes. It is rewatchable. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's one that like, if it was streaming, I would probably, I don't know like how often I would re- uh, rewatch it, but it's one that as I'm flipping through, I would definitely pause on it a lot. Like, oh yeah. Am I in the mood to watch this right now? I, hmm. So like, it's one of those movies. Where yeah. It's and not, since Ali hasn't seen it, like it's one where if, if it was would, like, if or when it shows up on streaming, I'd be like, Hey, this is a good movie. We should watch this. And then yeah. I'd watch it with her. Um, if I was by myself, I might not watch it, rewatch it, I should say. Um, but yeah, definitely but, one to share. But do you think that is because of the inherent rewatchability of the movie or just because there's so many other things that you also want to see the latter? Okay. So I, I think sure. that's an important distinction. It is. It is. Yeah. Like it is definitely, a, I, I think it's a great movie. I love it. I would definitely rewatch it. Um, it. It's one that I definitely want to share with people. And also, man, there's so many things that I still need to watch. Um, yes. All right. So along with that, who do you recommend the movie for? Um, I think that like, I would recommend it to people who like movies like A Quiet Place or like 10 Cloverfield Lane. I mean, it did kind of have not necessarily similarities in terms of like what the movie is about, but just like, I feel like people who are into the kind of stuff, like those character driven genre movies where the genre is not really like the, but the fantasy and horror elements of the story are not really why you watch it. Like they just add to it. But Uh, do you feel like those two examples are too dark? Like, do you feel like someone who loves 10 Cloverfield Lane and a quiet place that they would be disappointed that uh, Freaks doesn't get as dark slash do you think that... No, because I think that Freaks is darker. Really? Yes. Man. I think it's much darker. Sometimes I question whether or not we watch the same movie. I know. Well, and that's, because again, because of the perspective that is taken in those movies. Sure. 
I mean, I, I think they're pretty comparable. I mean, I don't think Freaks is much darker. They're about on the same level, I think, as I think all three of those movies are about on the same level in terms of where they go. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that those are certainly... Um, I don't... I, I think that those are good examples. And yes, I think that if you enjoy Quiet Place or Ten Cloverfield Lane, that you would enjoy Freaks. But to me, Freaks does not have the same level of tension. So, like, if you take... I, yeah, I think so. I agree. Yes, yeah, so like, if you take A Quiet Place and remove that, that suspense and just that fear, and it's more... And, and it's more just about, here are these characters, they're in the situation, let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. And not like a, this thing can jump out of the shadows at any moment and eat you. Like, I think that if you get rid of that suspense, that it has definitely a lot more similarities. So Yeah, I agree. It is, And that's kind of what I was getting at with the whole mystery result, like revealing itself a little too early, is it yeah. removes a lot of that suspense. And then you're just kind of along for the ride. Yeah. So yeah, if you like, if you saw a quiet place and loved it, but you were just a little too nervous and you don't want to go through that same amount of um, anxiety, then yeah, I think freaks would, would definitely be right up that same tonal, uh, yes. tonal, uh, what's the word I'm looking for comparison, Yeah, but not the same level of, um, horror. Yes. Totally agree. All right. Um, anything else about freaks? I think that probably hits it for now. Uh, we'll probably pretty fantastic climax. Yeah. The, yeah, it was great. It's the, the ending of the movie is absolutely the ending that it builds up to. And it was even better than I would have expected. I, I, and I it's was got some great, like I didn't mention this. It has some fantastic effects for a low budget movie. Um, yeah, that's about all I can say about it, but the effects are way better than I expected as well. Yeah, I, I was definitely cheering for some of the characters by the end. All right, so next up is, you can hate on this movie all you want, one of my favorite movies of the weekend, just because it is so me. Next up is Dead Detectives. Det- see, you keep saying I hate it, but I don't hate this I movie. know that you don't hate it, you just hate on it. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> so. All right. So, prior information slash expectations. My prior expectation is this movie's called Dead Detective, so of course I had to watch it. Uh, Chris, right. is, I mean, basically all our prior information was covered in our last, <laughs> our previous episodes because Chris recommended it. Chris Dorch, the director of Chat Film Fest, uh, recommended it to us when we interviewed him. That was like the movie he picked as like the movie we need to see. Um, and yeah, other than that, I just knew that it was. Uh, <laughs> you knew that it existed. I knew it existed. It was about paranormal. Like those ghost hunting TV shows, it was about people on a show like that encountering real ghosts rather than just, you know, bumps in the night. What? Um, God, I always forget the uh, the, the um the tagline. Oh, with it's the uh, real ghost, fake detectives, complete dicks, yeah, or fake, something. Fake detectives or fake hunter, ghost hunters, la, fake detectives, real ghosts complete digs something like that (laughs) so the imdb uh, synopsis is dead detectives follows a team of hapless paranormal investigators on a reality tv series who go on a quest to mexico's most haunted house in the pursuit of better ratings however when the true dark secrets of the mansion begin to reveal themselves the hapless presenters quickly discover that this house is no hoax with zero ghost hunting skills or really any other applicable skills the team (laughs) has to figure out how to bust (laughs) the ghosts and escape the house with their lives i love the or without really any applicable skills so that's just so like what a sick burn that is <laughs> that's so, so funny 
Yeah, my prior information is exactly the same. Chris talked about it, and uh, he said that it was the one to uh, to catch. And I got the other expectation when I was reading through the description on um, in one of our uh, pre coverage episodes. And I hadn't read it before reading it during the podcast, and I cracked myself up when they get to getting it dead right. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that I I think that going into it, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think that you expected it to be a better movie, and I expected it to be a funnier movie. Not in the sense of it wasn't funny, but I think that I was going in with the it's called Dead Detectives. They're complete dicks. I mean, that's really... They got it dead right. That's pretty much, like, my... I mean, I really expect it to be funnier. I think that's kind of the thing. Um, that's, like, it just seemed like it would be a silly kind of, you know, haunted house movie where a bunch of people don't know what they're doing and then the ghosts are puzzled as much by their behavior as we are. And I don't know, like, I, just, I did think it would be a little bit funnier it kind of has a tone similar to something like Shaun of the Dead where it's funny, um, but they take the, the the ghost part seriously. Yeah, the horror is real. They're not just like... It, it's not like um, Goofy in um, in Disney's Christmas Carol where he's uh, the ghost of Ebenezer Scrooge and he trips and falls down the stairs. You know, it's yeah. not like a bumbling ghost that you're laughing at. Right. The ghosts are real and... I'll, I'll get into that when we get into that section. Yes. Um, and yeah, my expectation was that I was going to have a lot of fun. And we watched Same. this after being on a boat, after making a lot of jokes. Um, yes. <laughs> so, a lot of puns. So that might have also had an impact is... We had been having a really good time and already making a lot of jokes. So I was already thinking that things were maybe a little bit funnier than they were or just already in a slightly better mood. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I've got it. Like my full disclosure here is that like, you wanted was, to stay on the boat. Well, no, not necessarily. It's just when, when I was, first of all, when I was putting my notes together for this review, I struggled so hard to remember anything about this movie. Like, but well, I remember like the opening, but like getting into, it, I was like, I don't remember what the hell happens in this movie. And, but like, I don't think that's necessarily the movie's fault. Like we watched this movie at 11, it started at 1130 at night. Yeah. And this is after already like staying up late the night prior, waking up super early to get to chat film fest, being out all day, walking for like two miles. <laughs> it was, we were tired. Like I was exhausted and I actually did like nod off a couple of times while watching this movie. So part of it, I think is just that I was so tired. Yeah. Um, and I think that is your fault. Yes, um, it is. I expected this movie to be a lot of fun and my expectations were met. So let's talk about some of the technical. Uh, I like it's lack of pretension. Like <laughs> it is a movie that knows exactly what it is and it just totally has fun with the premise and like the opening scene where you see like how they create the show and how they convince people that there are ghosts. Like they start off in this diner basically and this woman thinks it's haunted and the way that they make her believe that it's that it's haunted is really funny and really shitty. Yeah. And they, they are terrible human like, beings. They are complete dicks. Like yeah. it is it is so true. <laughs> um and it's just it's a really great setup to the movie that I think 
because it starts off on such a high, it's a little bit harder for it to maintain that through the rest of the movie. Um, because the opening is really funny and there are like moments sprinkled throughout the movie that are really funny, but it's just not as consistently funny as I was hoping it would be. And, and I get that. I, I also disagree. Like, I think that it was consistently funny, but it wasn't consistently amusing. It's not consistently. Okay, fine. It's consistently amusing. The, The, where, where I was going with that was the consistent, consistent and constant aren't the same thing. Yes. So it was consistently funny, but there were gaps between the humor because there was also some character development and there was also some horror that they had through. There was. There was character development? There was. You slept through the character development. Okay, apparently. And there was was actual horror. It wasn't scary. Like, you know, there was nothing about it that had me frightened, but they do play the horror genuinely. And if it had been set outside of a comedy and treated much more as just a spooky as hell ghost house. I I don't think that they would have had to change the story of what's actually happening. Yeah. Like that's what I like the most about it. I think that's really what, what grounds it and what makes it work is that, you know, you can have a whole lot of fun with the characters, but they actually take the threat seriously. So like you're still invested in what's going on with the film. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love the design of the ghosts, uh, especially yeah, like the, the main effects. evil ghost. Yeah, the makeup effects are really great. And they're like, the, again, the movie's not scary, but the ghosts are menacing yeah. in appearance, especially. Um, I wish the movie wasn't quite so dark. I mean, I have this complaint about a lot of movies. <laughs> Again, that's why it's a family-ish friendly or family-friendly. Well, no, I mean, like, I mean, just oh, in like terms literally of, like, dark. Literally, the lighting of the movie. Eh. And I know, like, I, I don't know, like, I, I think you need to get your eyes checked. I understand why movies are dark in terms of lighting. Like, they have to be, but at the same time, it's like I want to see what the hell is happening. Like, you can make a movie look dark and still be able to make things visible. But you also want to be in some of the same confusion that the characters are like that's the thing that bugs me is when you can see more than the characters can i I don't i don't like that at all i agree but there are times where things are happening and you don't really know what's happening because it's so dark no it was dark because your eyes were closed that's (laughs) that might be what it is (laughs) you have to open your eyes they're probably half closed for the whole movie and completely closed for I, a little bit of it. I think that the the humor hit. Uh, the characters were complete dicks. There was enough character development. There was enough setup like for the, the characters. I think the acting is good. I think the actors acquit themselves well. Like I like uh, budget Joel McHale, <laughs> uh, Chris Gear. It's I, the whole movie. I just kept thinking, like, man, this is not Joel McHale, but that's who in my mind I'm imagining this person is because that's what he reminded me of. And on IMDb, he's the only one that has a last name. Oh, uh, like of the characters, of the characters, Sam, yeah, Sam Whitner. His, yeah. He's the only one that has a last name listed on IMDb. My favorite character, um, he's played by Jose Maria de Tavira. I can't remember the character's name. Javier. Javier. Yeah. Uh, his character actually has an arc. I think that goes in a very fun direction that I did not expect. <laughs> and it's really great because again, it kind of, uh, f- I can't say, I can't talk about it, <laughs> but no, you can't. it's, it's, he's the funniest character. Uh, and I like what they do with him. The, my biggest problem with the movie, and we talked about this a little bit is the romance. 
And I mean, but it's one it of those works. It doesn't. That's it, the problem. I don't does. buy into it at all. It, well, that's the that's why it works is because she doesn't buy into it. Like that's the entire thing is the romance is dying, and so part of the part part of the story is that rejuvenation of things because you're not watching the beginning of a relationship. You're not watching it at its high point. You're watching a relationship that could potentially end like this might be the last time that they're ever together but it just feels like such a like one of those stereotypical like okay yeah we're gonna have this like girl who's too good for the protagonist and he's gonna learn to you know i'm gonna be my best self and then she'll love me again but at no point do i ever understand what she sees in him at all like she's just there and she's sticking with him and she's like the great girlfriend who will stick with him and i'm like girl, you need to get out of this relationship and go find yourself a real man because this guy's a dick. He doesn't really care about you. But he cares again, about himself. But but he explains what's happening there. Like, I, look, I'm not saying that it's the greatest love story ever told. I'm not saying that it's an original love story. I'm not this saying... This is a fallible argument. You're I'm, moving the goalposts here. I, no, yes, I am. Because you said it doesn't work. It doesn't. There's no chemistry no, between these two actors. I think, nothing... I think that it works. It's not great. It's not... It, it's like... I, I don't even know what it's like saying. But <laughs> I'm not trying to make the argument that it is an amazing love story. I'm not trying to make the argument that like, oh, I totally relate to this character, but this character is horrible and I don't understand it. I'm just saying, no, like it, it fits. You know, it's a couple of people who got together when they were younger and there was some excitement and... Then one of them started getting way too vain. The other one started getting a little bit jaded. And so they started growing just, apart, but they don't talk about it. And so this forces yeah, them to talk just, about it. It's just one of those things that was so ubiquitous in the movies that I watched growing up. And it was one of those things like growing up when I watched movies, I was like, a movie has to have a love story. Like in my mind, I was like, I don't like movies as much if they don't have some kind of love story angle to it. So it's one of those things where it reminds me so much of those movies where it's like, yeah, there's a love story here, but it doesn't really matter. That's not why you're here. We just put it in there to give. Okay, that that I will give to you. The movie could be exactly the same if you get rid of the uh, the love story. Yeah, yeah, like, nothing to it. It's yeah. just it's one of those things that just feels like it's shoehorned in there just because. But it's also fine. You know, like, I, I don't think that it detracts. Well, right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's a criticism I have because it's totally superfluous. But at the same time, it's just one of those things like, yeah, it's, I don't know. Like, I don't I mean, like it's, it's, it. It's just there. And it's, I just, I'm tired of like, there's so many roles for women in movies. That's just like, oh, you're the girlfriend. Go look, go be the doting girlfriend the, to the guy who doesn't deserve it. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I see that man, so much and I'm. I'm, I'm going to remind it. you of that when we get to the episode where we talk about three of our favorite movies from the weekend because that is present in all of them. Mm. Yep. Yep. The romance plays a huge part in the story, but in all three of them, like, it, it is that sort of just like, oh, the girl is here as the romantic interest, and that is what's fueling the tension. Okay, and two out of the three of them. One of them, uh, we'll not see. so much. We'll, we'll get to it. I'm just saying, look, the romance doesn't add anything to the movie. It might give a little bit of um, a plot device in terms of like why they're doing a thing. But yeah, like really looking at it, it didn't need it. But it also didn't hurt. You know, it was just like, yeah, it's it's fine. You know, I the yeah. romance did not take me out of the movie. I think that 
And I know that just saying it's fine is not a great way to describe <laughs> a movie, but also the romance is the least important part of this movie. True. It's, no, I, like I said, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to this. And for it's this to the be like humor, a- and it's the budget Joel McHale, and this is exactly what we weren't supposed to do: is fall into these rabbit holes, Nathan. But yeah, I didn't mean to lead us down with there me before, right? Yes. <laughs> you know what happens. Uh, but yeah, it's just one of those things where, like, eh, like it's it bothers me. It's fine. It doesn't it really you. hurt the movie that much, I guess. But it's also like, eh, well, it just uh, bothers me. Okay, no, I have something. Mm, nope, I have another thing I'm going to say about it. So here's why. Here's the more that I think about it. Here's why I think that the romance actually is a pretty important piece. Spoilers, kinda ish. I'll try to be as vague with the spoilers as possible. The ghost is a very controlling and selfish ghost who does not take into account the feelings of other ghosts. Yep. The main character is a selfish and manipulative person who does not take into account the feelings of his coworkers. Yep. And so there is a parallel between the antagonist of this ghost who is just, you know, forcing everyone to do his own bidding and the quote protagonist who's kind of forcing everyone to do his own bidding. So with those parallels between the good quote, good guy and bad guy and seeing how the, seeing how the ghost's relationships were affected by his own um, bad relationshipiness, then it makes a lot more sense to have some of those similarities in the relationships of the protagonist. So that as he is going through the film, with some of that character development that you slept through, he makes a decision to not be like that dick ghost. Sure. That is why the relationship matters. It's not a huge piece, but it is part of that bigger picture. But that also highlights my criticism where the woman has no agency. She's just a pawn in this oh, whole that, life. That is a completely different criticism that no, that's, is that's present my, on so many things. That's that's my that's my problem though, is it's like it's a romance where it doesn't matter like the woman in the movie is just staying with him because that's what the plot necessitates because there there's a parallel there. It doesn't make sense why she would stay with him. At no point do I understand her attraction to him in any way. Like I feel like there should be some kind of thing in there where it's like, okay, I get why she wants to stay with him. I get why there's a spark of, hope I mean, there. he's charming. <laughs> he's a dick, but he's charming. There are, there are plenty of charming guys to go. Around. I don't know. It's fine. We can move on past this. <laughs> We've gone our way too long, but I, 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 okay, I, I do completely agree with saying, the larger but... criticism of the role in, of women in movies, and I totally get, and I totally agree with, and that is a very, very, very valid argument. In terms of the romance specifically not working, I think that it does play a role in the character development of this film. In the character that's, development of the male yes, character, not fine, the female character. But that's, that's a different conversation. That's what I was saying. Okay, anyway, let's, it's, let's it's move a, on. It is a... Points made. <clears throat> I win. Go on. No, Emotional. you don't. Comfortably uh, met my expectations. Emotional. I loved it. I thought that it was a lot of fun. I was laughing through a lot of it because I stayed awake. One of my favorite parts of the movie, which I mentioned during um, our just overview episode, was when one character writes, it's me, dicks, and one of the other characters says, who's dicks? <laughs> yes, that is very funny. <laughs> it really is so funny. It's, it's, the, it's such a simple joke, but it is. It works, and I loved it. 
And I do not feel like this movie is juvenile. I feel like it is taken seriously. I feel like the people who made it have a genuine love for movies. It also is the kind of movie that 13-year-old me would be like, oh my God, this is the best movie ever. And I mean that in a positive way. Yeah. No, I mean, like, it's one of those things, like, I, I really enjoyed it for the most part. Like, it was one where you just turn your brain off and just kind of roll with it. Um, like, I... I don't think it's going to go on to be like a beloved cult classic or anything, but at the same time, I don't think that anybody who watches the movie will be disappointed in it. Yeah. Like it's one of the, like if you're going to see a movie called dead detectives, you know what you're getting yourself into. Like it's not like it's not going to blow your mind, but you're also not going to be sad that you watched it or like feel like you wasted your time. I think is kind of, that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. It, it is a very, very, very fun movie that I had an absolute blast watching. Yes. It's not the best movie of the weekend. It's not my favorite, but it was a lot of fun, uh, which leads directly into how rewatchable. For me, it's super rewatchable because it's so easily rewatchable. I would definitely like to go back and rewatch the movie when I'm fully conscious. Yes. However, I don't feel like I would go out of my way to do that. Well, and that's part of what I mean by it's easily rewatchable. So like when I was talking about Freaks, where like if I was scrolling through Netflix and I saw it, like I'd pause and be like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, Freaks, that's a good movie. Don't want to watch that right. I mean, I've seen it before. Like it's one where if it like was it, on, and... it's an easy movie to get into, I think. Like, yeah. Like you don't ha- even like it's the movie that no matter where, like if you're flipping through the channels, if as if people actually do that kind of stuff anymore. Sure. Um, if it was on, no matter what part of the movie it was in, like, oh yeah, detectives, like this is a fun part. I'll sit and watch it for a few minutes and probably would get, would finish the movie at that point. But yeah, I mean like, I don't feel like I would ever be like, you know, I didn't give detectives enough of a shot, which is true. You didn't. I didn't. But at the same time, I don't feel any obligation to give it another shot. I see Which is mean it, of me. I'm, yes, you're throwing shade I, at a movie that I love. I don't understand how so, I became the cynical person on the podcast. <laughs> I don't know. It's because I have joy in my heart. I love movies. I really so, do. And I like this movie. I just There's just so much it, good it stuff is, out there. It is rewatchable to me in the same way that iRobot is rewatchable. iRobot is not a great movie. It's it's a perfectly fine movie, you know. It's just like yeah, yeah it's it's, it's uh, kind of it's Will Smith being Will Smithy, and um, what's his name Shia LaBeouf being kind of a turdy kid and a robot. <laughs> I like how iRobot has become your Voight Kampf test for like how rewatchable a movie is. It's I, great. iRobot is one of those movies that it's just so there that when I can't decide on what to watch. I default to iRobot. Again, it is not my favorite movie. It yeah. is nowhere near my favorite movie. It, I don't even think that it's that... I do think it's a good movie because I do enjoy watching it. It's not a great movie. But like any time that I want to watch, when I'm trying to figure out what I want to watch, I don't really want to watch a drama because, uh, you know, sometimes dramas are sad. I don't really know if I'm in the mood for a horror movie, especially like if I'm right about to go to sleep or if I just... I don't. But you're never not in the <sighs> mood for Will Smith, Robots... And Shia LaBeouf swearing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I totally understand. It's it's just like, you know, it's it's not it's actiony enough to, you know, drive some action, but it's not so actiony that like it makes my head like it's it's just one of those just like, yeah, I robot, sure. Why not? Yeah. Let's let's watch robot let's watch Will Smith be sassy to some robots. I totally get it. I've only seen it like one time, but I'm I mean it makes I sense to I me. I don't even know how many times to- I too many times. <laughs> that's how many times. 
and I feel like I've, I've seen it once all the way through and then just caught bits and pieces of it many, many times over the years. I, so yeah, that's Dead well, in a nutshell. It is also uh, because I have way too many movies. And so looking at my collection of movies, sometimes it's overwhelming. And a lot of times I'm just like, screw it. I robot. I don't even care. Just put it there. I'm, a movie is on in front of my eyes. Uh, and that sounds like such a bad thing to say about Detectives, but I feel like it's that kind of rewatchable mm-hmm. where if I can't decide what to watch... I feel like, yeah, that's that's a thing that I could watch and be enjoyable. You know, it's it's like pizza. Pizza's not always the greatest, but when you can't decide on what to eat, you're, you're like, got, yeah. ah, I don't really know if I want Chinese food and a little too spicy. I don't know if I want ah, pizza. Yeah, sure. Yeah, even bad pizza is still pizza. Yeah. So, and I mean this in a very, very good way. Detectives is like a pizza of a movie. I... It's a lot I don't of fun. Feel like I anybody. I don't feel like anybody would uh, would be upset about being known as the pizza of movies. <laughs> like everybody's like, okay, yeah, cool, I get it. I I'm hope okay not, with that. because unlike Eric, I genuinely love this movie, and I do really, really want to see it again. I think that is a fair comparison, and I love pizza. So there, there you, you go. Know. Ipso facto, Eric loves detectives. So who do you recommend <laughs> the movie for? Man, I think the people who already know who they are at this point. Who <laughs> I mean, if you, if detectives, if if you hear the word detectives and think that's a movie I want to see, that is the person who needs to see this movie. Like, I think the obvious parallel is to Ghostbusters. Like, if you like Ghostbusters or any kind of horror comedy, you could do so much worse than watching detectives. I feel like if you've listened to us for a full episode, um, you would probably enjoy detectives. Yeah, I mean, you, you'd watch Detectives and be like, yeah, it's not as bad as that podcast. So, I mean, like... It's no, de- I meant in terms of just some of the terrible wordplay that we have <laughs> and how much we crack ourselves up and whether or not other people find us funny. Eh, whatever. We, we have love for what we do. And, uh, yeah. And that's how the movie is, too. Like, it's one of those movies where they obviously had a blast making it. Like, good for them. I I'm not a person who dislikes this movie at all, but it is not also it's not my favorite. So there you I, go. I I it, it was a lot of fun for me. Uh yeah, same recommendations. If you like horror comedies, it's not as horry as some of the uh, Edgar Wright stuff. It's not consistently as funny as Bill Murray. Um, but you know, it's it is a. I feel like it would be a good introduction to people who have not yet seen movies like Shaun of the Dead and Ghostbusters and like they've not quite gotten that far into horror or horror comedy. Again, like 13-year-old me would absolutely love this movie. Um, And so, you know, current age me absolutely loves this movie. Yeah, I think if you could travel back in time to a pre-Shaun of the Dead world, detectives would look a lot better. Yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's hard to do things after Shaun of the Dead. Uh, true, I, man, one more thing movie. about rewatchability. I want there to be more movies in the series because I would watch continuing adventures of uh, of what happens oh, yeah. to them. I would. I'd be down for that. Yeah. Also, Shaun of the Dead is one of the greatest movies ever made. You can't change my mind. I, why would I change my mind? I don't know why you'd want to. I'm just saying that is an opinion that I hold. One, one Cut of, of the, the Dead gives movies, it a run for its money. One of the greatest movies ever made, Shaun of the Dead. 100%. Sure. I'll stand by that forever. I, I don't know. I feel like uh, World's End has a better beginning, middle, and end of the jokes, just in terms of setup and payoffs. Wrong. The, the, World's anyways, End is so good, though. I love all of. We're the going Cornetto to do trilogy. a series on that. Not right now. They're all so damn good. But anyway, 
All right, so up next, uh, we have a movie that um, might be the one that has the most disagreement between us in that, um, once again, I am right and you are not. Um, I don't think that's a fair assessment. I think this, that is a completely is fair assessment. It's definitely the one we disagree on the most. <laughs> it is. <laughs> like I said, you agree that you're wrong. That is not what I agree That is you. exactly what you just nope. said. Definitely not. All right. So the movie we're talking about. Body at Brighton Rock. Yes. Which is a good movie. It is a well-made movie. <sighs> Dude. I. It's a good movie. Okay, Nathan, you're, you're yes. turning me into the villain here. I don't want to be the <laughs> no, villain. You're turning me into the you, villain before I've even had a chance to defend myself. You are the villain. I'm just I um, using words at you. I don't want to be mean to this movie. Then, because like, I like a lot of what it is trying to do. I like a lot of what it is. You think that it's something different. All right, let, let's get into this. All so, right. same thing. Uh, prior information. What you got? Uh, my prior information is not much. I mean, I had seen a few people that I know had logged ratings on Letterboxd. Um, they were kind of lukewarmish, like between two and three stars or so. Um, and I knew that it was directed by Roxanne Benjamin, who uh, produced like the VHS uh anthology horror anthology series and then she directed segments and i think produced also uh segments in southbound and xx other horror anthologies so um that was really about it like i don't feel and it has a killer poster i love the poster for the movie um so that was about it like i didn't really know what to expect going into the movie i didn't really have like high hopes for it despite what you may think i uh, <laughs> i just kind of was i was just kind of along for the ride that was about it all right, we're, we're going to get into something about your prior expectations that you left off. Um, incorrect. But no. You're incorrect. But I am not incorrect. Okay. My prior uh, information slash expectations, about the same thing. Um, yeah, like I've, I've not really seen a whole lot of Roxanne Benjamin's work, um, but like when Chris was introducing it and he mentioned the fact that she was involved in VHS, uh, did one of the segments, uh, one of the segments in XX, um, the female driven horror anthology. She's also a producer, uh, a co-producer on the devil's candy. Oh yeah, um, that's right. Southbound. So like she's been involved in a lot of modern horror films that I, I think are great. Mm-hmm. Um, so and she's the, she was going to be doing a Q&A at the film, film Fest, but she couldn't because she's busy working on the uh, Creepshow revival that they're doing on Shudder, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. So, I mean, she definitely uh, has a, I think, solid understanding of horror. Mm-hmm. So, here's a piece about your prior information slash expectations that I think is a vital thing. We saw this on Sunday, right? Yes. Yeah. So, this was the fourth day of the fest. Yeah. And at that point, we had talked to Shockwaves. We had talked to Mallory O'Meara. We had talked to Brian Salisbury. We had seen Gary Sherman do his thing about uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff on um, Portrait Guys 3. We had seen Vice Squad. Um, so, like, all of this amazing stuff that had been happening all weekend. And I think that at this point, you had an expectation of just, like, everything that I'm going to see is just going to be, like, the best things that I ever see. So I don't think that you necessarily had an expectation about like this movie itself, but more of, I I don't know. I feel like that plays a role in your interpretation of the movie. I think that you just can't accept how I feel about this movie. So you have to come up with an alternative explanation. No, I, I think <laughs> that that is a valid thing and an important piece because, and like you and I were talking about this uh, before we were recording 
if you had just like stumbled across Body at Brighton Rock on Amazon and you're like, huh, I give this a shot. I think that you would have had a higher view of it than seeing it at the final day of the film fest. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with you, but we'll never really know for sure. I, I, I don't knowing know. what I know about you and how expectations have such an impact on the way that you, the way that you view films, I think that that matters. I think that that had an especially because uh, on that final day we saw um, uh, what all did we see? Girl on the third floor. I trapped the devil. Uh, Harpoon. So like there were some really solid films, mm-hmm. and I think that just in comparison, this one didn't stack up for you. I, I understand your criticisms, which we're going to get to in a second. Yes. I'm just saying, I think that possibly you're being a little harsh on it. And, and see, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be harsh, especially after I've sat with it for a few days. Because at first I was very upset after watching this movie because I mean, I'll get into a little well, bit. Let's, I wasn't let, even let's really go ahead upset, and get into the technical. But, let's yeah, get into I'm the technical. be nice. Um, I, I am going to be nice because I thoroughly enjoyed it. So what I really like about this movie is that it immediately starts off with just like this infectious, earnest kind of energy. Um, like it immediately feels kind of like a throwback to the VHS era of uh, like kind of low budget, low stakes horror movies. And I really like that about it. Like it starts off with um, Wendy, who's played by uh, Karina Fontes, who's really fantastic in the movie. Like she, her performance is great. Um, it starts off with her just like dancing through the woods to Oingo Boingo. Yeah. And like, it's just so much fun. A little on the nose, but still. Yeah. She's dancing to dead man's party. (laughs) Um, and it's just like, it's so much fun. And she, it's like, uh, it reminds me of so many, uh, she's like, she works for like a forest, like a national park Yeah, and she's trying to get to work and she's late but she's still like dancing and they're playing this music and it's, and it's still really fun. It just reminds me of so many movies where it starts off with like, Oh no, I'm late to school. I got to hurry up and get there. Like back exactly. to the future or something. And it's like, it's just really fun. And I like that a lot about the movie. <clears throat> um, my problem is just after that, it kind of like, I don't know. It, it doesn't balance the Remember spoilers very well. I know I'm not, I mean we, the premise of the movie is about a body at Brighton rock. Right. So I don't think that that's much of a spoiler. I think that once the movie gets to that point, it's not nearly as strong and doesn't have the same kind of personality that it did at the beginning of the film. See, and I guess, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say a lot of it, I think is just that the movie doesn't really establish Wendy as a character very much. You know that she likes music and she likes to dance and she's not very good. She's not very outdoorsy, even though she works as like part of a park service. She's basically just going around like, posting flyers on trees for whatever reason. Well, they have different people who do different things at the parks department. We're right, of course. But, like, you don't learn much <laughs> else about her besides that. And I think that there's a really great seed of an idea in this movie. And I think that a lot of what it does, it does very well. It's beautifully shot. Um, it's just, it's never... Like, I... Hmm, I'm trying to think of how to put it. Like, it's just, it's a really well-made movie. It's just that, like, from a script po- point of view, and, like, the scripting is kind of lacking, I think, in a lot of cases. Once it actually sets into motion what's happening, I think it really fails to, or just struggles to justify its premise. And a lot of the setup for why the things are happening, like, it strains credibility for me. It feels very perfunctory. We and are so not on the same page on this movie. I know. 
go ahead. I'll let I'll, I'll let you talk now. All right. So. Some of the nice things that you said, I agree with. Uh, I do think that it was well acted. Um, uh, Karina Fontes basically carries the entire movie by herself, and I think that she does a great job. Um, I, I think that it is very well produced. It definitely looks great. I like the general aesthetic. Uh, even like in the title credits where it goes into it, like it oh, feels so cool. very like so cool. I like mid nineties ish almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like in terms of just the overall production quality, I, I think it's great. Where you and I differ. It, well, it so many ways. So when you were like, ah, we don't really know much else about her. Exactly. Like we are thrown into the situation with her. So what we know about her is what we are learning over the course of the movie. But we like, don't learn anything. But we do. I don't think you, feel like you learn anything about her. I don't feel she's here's the, here's my biggest problem is I feel like I can't talk about it because of spoilers. Never mind. <laughs> I feel like the things that you learn about her, you learn about her through the course of the movie. And I learned nothing about this character. That's because you turned your mind off and you weren't appreciating it. <laughs> so uh, I, I think, all right. And when it comes to movies, it is definitely a show. Don't tell medium. Like I hate when things are overexplained, and stuff does need shown. And sometimes I do feel like there needs to be more explanations so that you can fully understand what's going on. Other times I feel like you need to just be thrown into the situation because the backstory doesn't matter. You know what you need to know as you are knowing it. And so with, um, with Wendy in the movie, you don't need to know that much about her other than just the stuff that you get at the very beginning where she's already running late to the morning meeting mm. and then uh, she is bad at things and so her friends don't think that she can do a very good job of even just stapling posters to a tree mm. because it's like too far out into the woods. And like as she's going around, yeah, she's dancing around to her iPod rather than paying attention to the nature that's around her. I feel like that is enough to tell you she's... <sighs> naive she's innocent she like i i feel like that gives you all of the things that you need to know about her so then as she is experiencing the rest of the movie it's not like some grizzled uh woodsman who you're like wait a second wouldn't they know better like all of the things that she's like i don't know what's going on here It makes sense because of it might be minimal, but it gives you enough of the setup to justify what's going on. I think that what happens in the movie makes sense, and I completely understand why the why the things happen the way that they do. But the movie never gives me a reason to care, and that's my biggest problem with why. That's that's because you don't have a soul. That's not true. That is true. I'm a very empathetic person. I'm going to get into this on the emotional this, side a little bit. This is like but. the third movie that we've talked about that you're like, I just didn't care. It's like, how do you not care about these characters? I, I do care. Well, no, I really cared about the characters in some of the other movies, but anywho. Um, so I want to get into it a little bit more on the emotional side, but I have a few technical things first before. Yes. I, okay. So the one thing that's really, I, so basically the movie is a survival horror movie, I guess you would say. Um, but I think that a lot of the horror elements don't really work for the story that they're trying to tell. Um, because I think that the movie uses horror in place of any kind of dramatic stakes. So like if you compare this movie to something like 127 hours, but it's not the same movie. It's not. No, but, he, but here's, I'm, I have a point to this. So I don't, sure. let's say like 
in 127 hours point it's a it's a similar setup where it's like a guy who's stuck in the wilderness and then in this movie she's stuck in the wilderness in a situation and that movie he's pinned under a rock uh-huh. and he is probably going to die if he doesn't cut his arm off in this movie it's she has to stay the night in the woods where there are bears that okay, was clear, where there are that things. was clearly established during yes. the morning meeting there have been bear sightings however you don't get that much in the movie like the movie does not establish any kind of dramatic stakes or emotional stakes in this character it is basically I, just like i'm scared of the dark and i'm scared of all these noises that are happening exactly and I, but it, the, that's no, not enough it, for me. Like that's that's oh that's my god. Too... So it's like when you are watching. It, it, it's like when you're watching a, a movie about a haunted house, and there's that question of okay, is the house really haunted, or is it just because it's at night and houses make noises and it's kind of creepy? Mm-hmm. So like if you watch any haunted house movie or any sort of possessed house or anything like that, then that night when you try to go to sleep and you hear your air conditioning kick on it's a little bit more creepy than it was the night before. Mm-hmm. When your ice machine makes those little creaks and then it just kind of thuds as it throws the ice, you're like, is there someone trying to break in? Sure. Like, of course, watching something involving the home makes your house seem scarier. Right, but that's all there is so, to this movie. No, but There's... like, but that's the thing, is it's doing the same thing with being out in the dark. So imagine, all right, so here, here's one of the things that I think separates the movie for you and for me even in your comparison of like, Oh, in 127 hours, there's like these things that are real uh, stakes. There's like this, you know, this major drama. Yeah. But in body at Brighton rock, I feel like it is more of a young adult horror. And even though it's rated R and so it's not quite young adult, it is more of a coming of age story of someone losing their innocence in the woods and having to having to face their fears. And so I don't think that it needs like major stakes because the stakes are her own insecurities and the stakes are her own fears. Right. And that is why, man, there's, there's one thing that uh, there's one thing that I so want to talk about because it is a perfect explanation, but I can't talk about it because it is one of the biggest spoilers of the film. And I like the idea of that. And I think that there's actually a very powerful story in here about overcoming your fears. But again, it doesn't feel like it does enough groundwork up front to really make you care about why that's important to her to overcome her fears. She doesn't really care that much about overcoming her fears. At no point in the movie does she ever like seem she's just doing a job and I don't know there's just nothing there that grounds the movie for me that makes but, me but she doesn't not, feel triumphant or but anything. she's not just doing a job it's the people can't think that she can do it and so like she's she's a little bit stubborn she's standing up for herself which is why like when her friends like oh I don't think you can do it and she's like whatever I can totally do this when she runs into that one guy who's like oh do, do you want me to help she's like no I got it. Granted, that dude was a little creepy, but like it's more of a people think that I am too young and naive. People don't think that I can do anything. And so like I have to stand up for myself. I have to do this on my own, Mm -hmm. which is why sometimes when she says things, she might not necessarily be saying what she really believes in her heart. It's more of just a this is what I have to say in the situation. And um, like even okay, this isn't a spoiler. Um, when she's talking on the radio to someone and the, uh, the guy on the radio like says a very specific thing, then like the next person that she encounters, that is her exact response. It's not what she knows. It's this person just told me a thing. So this is my response. Right. 
And so she is, she's the antagonist and the protagonist because she's having to overcome herself. That is why I think this movie works is because I don't think that it's some grand, like, oh my God, this is going to make you scared to go in the woods again. Like, I don't think no. that this is uh, Jaws in, um, in the Pacific Northwest. Like, this is... It's a young adult it's coming like a of age story. horror movie for me. Like it kind of reminds me of, of something like it. One thing I think would have maybe made the movie better is if there, which I don't know how this would work, but it feels like she needs something to feed off of, like some other person there for her to talk to, to bounce. Like, I don't know. There's just something she is feeding off of herself, but there's no, I don't know. I don't, you don't get any kind of idea of her internal struggle I mean, you do to a certain degree, but it's in a way that I don't like. You do because it's showing it rather than telling it. Yes, but if in a way that I don't like. It's See, fine, like, and that's fine that you don't like it. Well, you don't have where, to like it. Like they they do it through the horror elements of the movie to the point, like like I said, they're kind of replacing the dramatic stakes with horror elements that, for some, like they just don't feel like they mesh well. Like for example, the music in the movie I think is super intrusive. Like the movie has like a horror movie sting every time any tiny little thing happens, like the cell phone battery dies, dun dun, like and or whatever, and, and it's like it's oh, so God. it's so obnoxious, fine, that it you, almost feels like parody. Like I honestly thought at first that this was going to be a parody of horror movies and then it took itself way too seriously. And and for you, it's, oh my God, the music was too intrusive. And for me, it's highlighting how horrific that is to her. It's and telling you. It, it's, it's, it's telegraph. Like, okay, here's, fine. Here's it, the thing. But, like, no, but it's, it is using music to really tell you how the character is feeling. Maybe it's too on the nose. Again, Oingo Boingo, Dead Man's Party at the very beginning, yeah, a little too on the nose, subtle. but it also works and is perfect because it has some of that fun, but also a little bit of creepiness. And this movie, I think, is fun with a little bit of creepiness. I think that's that's and, fair. It, just, it feels like the movie doesn't trust the horror inherent in the situation. I, like it's constantly I, screaming, like, look how horrifying this is. No, it is giving you a peek into her inner psyche because an inner monologue, I think, would have ruined the film. No, I wouldn't and, want an inner monologue. Either. And so the music is that inner monologue. And yes, maybe it's on the nose. Mm. Maybe it is telling you a little bit, but like that is the point of music. Like it is there to tell you this is the emotional, uh, this is the emotions that's going on in the scene. And so it might be something minor like, oh, the cell phone battery died. Dun dun. Because yeah, for her <laughs> stuck scary. out in the woods alone, that would be terrifying. Imagine it would be terrifying. Imagine one of your kids, not even out in the woods. Just imagine one of your kids, uh, like just going for a walk in your backyard, but like getting just a little lost mm -hmm. and not having a phone, and like they're just far enough away that you can't hear them if they're like dad, dad, or you hear just like. Yeah, like that would be terrifying for them. And so a tiny little twig snapping wouldn't be just like, oh, psh, that's probably just a squirrel. It's like, sweet Jesus, there's a mountain lion who's about to eat me. Yes, in the story, uh, Wendy is not eight. She's, I don't know. I don't think they ever say how old the character actually is. I think it's probably early 20s or something. I think she's supposed to be in, supposed to be in college. I don't but, remember. But I feel like it has that same level of innocence. And if she's never really spent any time in the woods, of course, every tiny little thing is going to be excessively terrifying. And the music is going to highlight this is how she feels. Maybe not necessarily this is what it is. But this is how she feels. Yeah. 
I mean, I get that. And again, like I totally understand why they went with the horror elements. It just it just doesn't work for me. Like it, there are so many fake out scares, which I don't like in general. Like it's just it's such a cheap way, a cheap like easy way. I, I think I get that. There are so many to the point where like, and I, I See, get I why. I don't think there are so many. There are a lot of them. There there are a few that are spaced very close together. Yes. So it might feel like it's so I think that's, many. That's very true. There, okay, there is one fake out that uh, did annoy me because of how close it was to one of the other ones. Yeah, I mean, it's like it gets to a point but, where it's like we understand that this isn't really happening. I get that this is supposed to be visually depicting like how she feels, but because I know that this isn't real, I have no investment in this. Like, there's no tension. There's no nothing. It's like I'm just waiting on the movie to tell me that this is fake even though I already know it's fake. But it's, oh my God, it's not about the movie telling you no, I mean, this I, I is the that. end. I it's the journey of going along with that right. so that you are experiencing what she is experiencing as she is experiencing it. I, I understand that, but the, I think that it removes any kind of stakes from the movie. I, like, there's no I reason disagree. to be invested in it because nothing is actually happening. I disagree. And most of the scenarios, I mean, typically in movies like this, you get a, like a series of escalating situations, like where the protagonist gets in like increasingly difficult situations. And this movie like the situations that she encounters are just not all that compelling and the movie has like this the pacing i think even though it's an 80 minute movie it's it ebbs too much throughout like i don't know it's very it very much feels like just a couple of different scenes that i mean i don't know it's basically like just i'm sitting in the dark and i'm scared of what's happening yeah and that just doesn't make it doesn't feel very compelling to me. It just feels a little too flimsy, a little too thin of a premise for a movie, like a feature length movie. If it was I, a short film, I think it would have been great. Or if they I had disagree. maybe like bumped Be- up the because if it was a short film, you wouldn't have had that same amount of uh, going through these experiences with her. Now, maybe you and I, I were just gets, on a different I think it gets journey. across the tedium of being alone in the woods at night because that would be so, like, you'd be scared at first, but then after a while you'd be like, I'm fucking bored, dude. Like, I just want the sun to come up so I can see what I'm doing. I think that sometimes you are too harsh. I mean, I'm glad that we disagree on things. I agree. And I like, again, However, I, hate, I hate that I'm being harsh because I like what this movie is trying to do. I understand what it's trying to do, and I don't want to hate on the movie. I just found myself kind of bored with it overall because I could not get invested because as much as I relate to the situation as as horrifying as I think it would be it just didn't come across for me in the movie and so yeah I again man I I so disagree with you I think the movie worked and it's not the best movie and Okay, even in talking about some of the technical stuff, I've already been infusing some of my emotional reaction into it, um, which, again, we, we don't always hold very strictly to our uh, categories. Yeah, I've already kind of tumbled into most of the emotional stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so from a technical standpoint, I get where you're coming from. I get the, oh, well, there's too many fake outs, and there's a little too much tedium, and we don't know a ton about this character because we most of the movie is just this one character and the stakes don't really amp up in the same way that they would in a lot of other horror movies, you know, like you don't have that rising tension the entire time. And I get all of those technical issues with it. Yeah. However, I, I still think that it is a very solid movie. I really enjoyed it. 
And and again, I think that so much of it comes back to that prior information slash expectations. I think that you were ex- expecting this to be a grander movie than it was. I don't think I, I knew nothing about it going in other than just like, oh, yeah, that's what we're going to watch because it's going to be the last day of the fest and it's easier just to stay in the same theater. Um, but then like when Chris was talking about it, it's like, okay, yeah, that's, that's some of the stuff that I know, but like, I still really had no idea what the movie was going to be about. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I didn't have any expectations. And so watching it, I was able to build those expectations as I went. And I was able to be like, Oh yeah, this is like a young adult coming of age, like almost goosebumps esque horror yeah, it feels like it kind of would fall right there along with something like Are You Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. Or something. So if it was an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark, it would be great because it would be shorter. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so <laughs> you're only being slightly a, kidding. You're, being a dick is what you're being. Uh, but, but, <laughs> but it's fine. Like people don't have to have the same emotions towards a movie. But yeah, for me, and now if it was trying to be a like way more intense like this is going to terrify you of the woods then yes well, it i feels think like that it was lacking it feels but, like that's what it's trying to be and i know it's not but, but because i don't of feel the like that's what it, it was trying to be no i don't think it is either i just think it's because of the way that the horror elements are presented and how many like kind of fake out jump scares they have it, it does feel like it's sort of trying to be that way but it's See, but that's not and, the movie it is and for me i feel like it was trying more to be again i keep saying the same phrase over and over i feel like it's more <laughs> of a coming of age movie i feel like it was someone who grew up on goosebumps but wanted to show real blood is what it feels much, like it, yeah. it, it feels like someone who loved are you afraid of the dark or goosebumps or yeah. um eerie indiana or any of these like childish horror shows that also like totally still work for adults some of it's mm-hmm. nostalgia um but it, it feels like that but just higher quality and you know what we're adults now we can actually show blood and we can have characters swear so it feels like that and to me that's why it works is again it is just a it was an enjoyable movie for me it might not be the greatest of the weekend but i also like i i would definitely recommend that people see this one i yeah, think that I, they I, need appropriate expectations but it is totally worth seeing i've got i've got i've got a, a theory like an idea for that that i think is going to be interesting because again i don't want to hate on this movie i don't want to discourage anybody from seeing it if they want to see it it's not a bad movie it just doesn't work for me and what i think a movie like this needs to do for me at least to keep my interest and and again i think that when you saw it played uh played a role but that's also like (laughs) this film is probably one of the best examples of why we do uh the expectations technical components and emotional aspect is you're able to recognize the technical quality it just didn't hit for you emotionally right for me i can recognize some of the technical shortcomings but emotionally like it was really enjoyable people don't have to enjoy the same movie and the people that we recommend it for are probably going to be different sets of people or maybe we're recommending it for the same set of people but just approaching it from different perspectives but regardless of how you feel about it i really enjoyed body of brighton rock and I, I it, it made me want to go back and watch more of what Roxanne Benjamin has done. It definitely made me excited about any future projects that she is going to be involved in. It 
I think that even if there are shortcomings in the story itself, I think that there is quality directing. There is definitely an eye for enjoyable cinema. You might disagree, but no, I, I, I think it, it makes me want to see more because this is her directorial uh, feature length debut, feature right? Length, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for someone who's done a bunch of short films to then go into feature length, maybe there are going to be some issues with pacing. To me, the issues with pacing didn't bug me. Maybe they were there, but they didn't bug me. Some of the stuff that, God, we can't talk about because spoilers. Yeah. Some of the things that, um, some of the things that you don't like. For me, it's like, but it makes sense because it is set up. Um, so this one's not really spoiler because I mean she's alone in the woods, and even though it feels like a '90s throwback, it's set in modern times because she has an yeah. iPhone. Yeah. Um, a, a perfect example is her iPhone dies like while she's out there stuck on the mountain. Dun-dun. Dun-dun. <laughs> and prior to that, she had been dancing through the woods, listening to music like all day long. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, music montage, did it really matter? No, but it also told you a lot about the character and it also explained why her phone died. She didn't need to say, oh crap, I shouldn't have been listening to music all day yeah. because that would have been annoying. It's just, yeah fun music montage that fits with the character because of course she's listening to music dancing through the woods and then now her phone is dead Mm -hmm. so like the the things that happen i feel like are adequately set up and i feel like they're set up in such a way where it makes sense without having to be too explicitly told there maybe at the end maybe there's a little bit too much explanation of but this is what happened maybe sort of it's it's it it's, it's yeah I, i'm not on board with it i mean I, it's it's fine i mean it's just it's it's not something that i can the ending is not my favorite part of the i movie. can't go there yeah <laughs> just the, can't the ending is not my favorite part but again the stuff that happens which uh if you saw the movie and you want to know which parts we're talking about message us on facebook and twitter and we will be glad to get into uh like why we think certain things happened or why they didn't um but yeah for the sake of spoilers we i it sucks it really sucks not being able to talk about spoilers um but again i thoroughly enjoyed this movie and i mean i want to see it again yeah, so I like I admire what Roxanne Benjamin was trying to do. I definitely want to see more move, more anything from her. Like I think she's a great filmmaker. I just like and I love it when filmmakers try to limit themselves or challenge themselves by limiting their resources by trying to set something in one location or by using a limited number of characters and just trying to find a visual way to tell the story. Like I love movies like Under 27 Hours or Castaway or Buried or things like that. I think those are great examples of this type of movie. I just, I don't know, like I, it just didn't work for me. I didn't really find any reason to get invested in it. And I think that because of the approach they took with the horror elements and we're trying to depict like what is, what she's imagining in her mind, because I knew that a lot of what was happening on screen wasn't actually happening. Spoilers, dude. I feel like that's a spoiler. I don't, I feel like that's a spoiler. I think it is. I, I, okay. Well, you I can cut it, it out is. if you want to. But <laughs> I'm I, leaving it in there, but I had retroactive a, spoiler. I just had a hard time, like really caring or feeling any kind of in, of tension or, I don't know. It right. didn't seem like there how, was anything of consequence happening at any point in the movie. How many times have you been camping and many not times. not just like staying in an RV 
and not just staying on a campsite where like the bathroom is just a hundred feet away. Like, have you ever been like, yeah. like camping, camping? Mm-hmm. How old were you the first time that you went like camping, camping? Probably like nine or 10 years old. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so some of this is not going to work. So like, when was the last time you went camping? Maybe we'll go with that question. It's been a while since I've been been camping. All right, so been a few in, years. Not since this, I've had kids. In this hypothetical example, uh, you've forgotten some of the woodsness of of what's going on. Oh, I know the woods are scary. They're, yeah, they're scary. Like you go out and and especially if you're by yourself, it's scary. I get that. I just yeah, and I man, I don't yeah. know. I feel like I'm this, sorry. I like I again, feel like I the want stuff to like that this happens movie. works. I want to like this movie. It's just. It just didn't work for me. But I will say, for my rewatchability, yes, I think this movie would really work as a sleepover movie. Oh, it would be a great sleepover like, movie. Like, this is the kind of movie that I feel like if this was, you know, early 2000s or late 90s or whatever, and I'm having a slumber party with my friends and I'm going to the video store to pick out a movie, I would see the cover of this movie and be like, oh, yeah, this looks cool, and then put it on, and it would be great to just have on in the background or watch with a bunch of people at a slumber party or like even better if you could like have a projector in the backyard and watch this movie while you're camping it'd be awesome like i don't know it just feels like a good like a throwback to that kind of era and i also think that like under those circumstances i think that i could rewatch it and it would hold my interest. It's just not something I can totally focus, like put all of my focus on, Again, I guess. Again, it was also the last day of the fest. You hadn't been sleeping very much. I feel like the setting mattered for this one. Maybe if this had been a first day film, I maybe you would have enjoyed it a little bit more. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, doing like a, a sleepover or especially like a projector in the backyard, I think would be great, especially if you're doing like a like camp out in the backyard and yeah. you're watching movies. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, and God, I, I want to pair it as a triple feature, but I'm, tr- I, I can't remember right now the name of the other movie, which as I start describing it, you might be like, Oh, right. That one. I'll be like, doy. Of course that one. And I'm trying to think of like what movie would pair well as the third one. Um, but I, I feel like this would be a good, um, first movie of the night. Mm-hmm. The second movie would really up the horror. So either, the I think it's called Backcountry, the one where p- p- oh, people the get attacked by a bear. Yeah, Backcountry. Is that also the one where um, a family is camping and the baby gets taken? Uh, I don't think or is that, so. <sighs> that feels have eyes. I no, think. <laughs> it's it's an IFC Midnight film that came out a few years ago. And it might be backcountry. I might just be it could like be. Conflating. I haven't actually seen that movie, but I know that I might be. Conflating. I think it's just like a, no, it's that's uh, just like a couple, right? In backcountry. Yeah, that's why I think there's another movie where like a baby gets kidnapped in the woods. The witch? No, <laughs> it is like a modern camping movie, and I know that anyone who has knows what movie we're talking about is just yelling at their uh, phones right now. <laughs> oh crap! It's bugging the crap out of me that I can't think of what it's called. Well, if you find um, a movie that has a baby kidnapped, you could watch it with the, with the body of Brad. The Rock. next time that you go on a long rant, so maybe um, as you're talking about who you recommend it for, I'll <laughs> try to find that. Uh, but no, doing a triple feature with Body at Brighton Rock, uh, Backcountry, and then something that's a bit sillier. But I, I don't know 
what would pair well with that? Because um, it would still need to be like camping thing. Ooh. Are you afraid of the dark? <laughs> no. Just I, episodes of that show? I was going to say The Blob, but that's just because like that's my go-to movie. <laughs> um, I... Yeah. Like it, I, I think that would be really fun. So doing like Body of Brighton Rock in terms of like, you know, starting things out, being like, ooh, the woods can be kind of scary. And then go into, no, the woods can be freaking terrifying. And then into the, they're terrifying, but they can still be fun. To do the descent. And spooky. This, uh, the but descent, descent would, be a good, would be a good. Not as the third movie. No, that the would second have to be, movie. That would, would have great. to be the second movie. Yeah, as the second movie would be good. Um, but I think that's a, that's a, that's that kind of leads well into who I recommend it for because I would say that I recommend this movie for baby horror fans, not fans of horror movies with babies so, in them. So like Hell Baby <laughs> and It's Alive and Grace and no, I mean like um, for for Rosemary's younger people baby trying and... to get into horror movies, I think this is good kind of gateway horror because again it is a low. I keep using this terminology. I don't know if it's really the best way to to put it. But it's low stakes. It's like it's not like, oh no, my arm is pinned under a boulder. It's oh, I have to stay the night in the wood. In the and anybody can relate to that. Anybody can relate to how scary that is. I think so. For people, Killing Ground is the name of the one that I was trying to think of. Killing Ground. I don't know if I've ever heard of that one. Well, I found it while you were talking. There you go, Killing Ground. Killing Ground or Backcountry. But like, I think that if you're somebody who you want to watch horror movies, you want to watch something that's scary that you can relate to, but you don't want like a whole lot of blood and guts and like violence and horrible things. There's a little bit of that kind of stuff in here, but it's it's quick and it's not really like I think it's something that even young teens preteens can handle yeah i i said earlier that it was rated r let me actually it is rated r yeah because that it's because they say the f word a few times oh that's right yeah this is a movie that if they trimmed some of the language could very easily be a soft pg-13 because like even some of the blood some of of it it would be a mid-range pg-13 yeah but yeah i mean i think that if you are if you somebody who likes horror movies but you don't want to be scared shitless <laughs> you know if you <laughs> if you need something that's a little bit on the softer end of the spectrum then uh, this would definitely be a good movie to check out like i'm not mad that i saw the movie i don't regret the time that i spent watching it it's just i'm, I'm sad that it didn't work for me i'm so, sad too because like of all I like the, mo- the idea i like these kind of survival movies so. well and of all the movies that we saw the entire weekend this has been the one that we've argued about the most yes very true because like even with the detectives where you're just like ah, i mean i was asleep it's like but all right yeah fine you were asleep whatever the movie's <laughs> awesome I don't, I don't care what you think it's a great movie this has been the one that you've been just like oh man brr, brr, and I'm like, no, dude, like you're looking at it from the wrong perspective. Like, this is why you have to think of it this way. And I understand if a movie has to be explained in order to appreciate that does bring into question maybe some of the quality of the movie. I get that. <laughs> However, um, what you're saying is I need to change who I am. Inside. Yes. What I'm saying is I shouldn't have to explain this to you <laughs> because I know that you've seen movies before <laughs> and I for me it was just a fun movie again it might not be the most amazing movie and if you are going into it with just like this is gonna you know revolutionize uh, young adult horror no and and you're gonna be disappointed if that's what you're expecting if it's this is a young adult coming of age character study of someone facing their own fears 
and like being their own enemy and having to to gain some resilience because they're too naive then like yeah that is exactly what this movie is and and i think that you would love it so minus the character study part i no, i I think it's there you have to have a character to have a character study i'm sorry you are the worst roxanne ignore everything that eric's saying um I'm sorry. I, I know. And, I and love this movie. I think that the, I think that the the character comes across more in the performance than anything. There's not much on the page. And but again, Karina Fontes, she's she's great in the movie. Nothing nothing against her. Well, and this also like take uh, okay. This I you might say, well, that's ridiculous, but completely remove everything about this movie. <laughs> take out the body at Brighton Rock and take out like any of that sort of horriness and just go with how the story started and like you could very easily have um, a long running series about about just you know these young adults late teens I don't know how old they are um, just about them working in the parks department. So get rid of that slightly horror-esque element. Cause like you have the one character who um, is like, just she wants to uh, switch shifts so that she can flirt with some dude. You have the other guy who's just totally inept at everything he does. So like you have all of these characters that, that to me might be my biggest complaint is there's all of these other characters. And I think that there could have been a lot of character dynamics and a lot of interactions that you just don't get. So if you'd had more of just here's more of these characters in these kind of zany situations, I think that there is definitely a lot that could have been there. I agree. Um, So I, I, again, I think the characters work. I think that I think the overall overall movie works and wanted to see more of the characters. I agree. I love this movie. I I, I don't care what you think. It's a great movie. Okay. Whatever you have to tell yourself, Nathan. I have to tell myself the truth. So I'd, I would, would recommend it for people who uh, enjoy good movies and aren't um, <laughs> uh, who aren't <laughs> who aren't dicks about movies not meeting their exact <laughs> expectations like Eric. Or, or, you know, people who are not dicks about <laughs> how other people feel about movies like Eric. <laughs> So the next movie we're talking about is Creature from the Black Lagoon. Man, let me tell you, if you want to talk about bad music, we're going to get into that on Creature. Oh, yeah. That's... I... Yeah. All right. So we saw Creature from the Black Lagoon, or at least, you know, a good portion of it, um, outside in downtown Chattanooga at Miller Park, um, a 4K restoration. It, It was a beautiful night. Like it was just crisp enough in the air. And it had rained earlier in the day. So it had a little bit of a lagoon vibe to it. The grass yeah. was all wet and stuff. So yeah, we sat down end. and it was just like, that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, we sat down on the grass. We're like, nope, we're going to sit on the sidewalk <laughs> instead. <laughs> so the setting was perfect. And we already talked in our overview episode about how afterwards people were like, oh man, they should do this more. Like people loved it. Oh yeah, it, it was so cool. And it looked really great on that yeah. screen. Like it looked fantastic. Um, so what, what prior information do you have about the creature from the black lagoon? I've seen the creature from the black lagoon one time prior to 
Yeah. Oh wow. Your your Nathan's head just popped up. Like what? <laughs> yeah. I, I watched it once. Why? Well, and actually, Why last year did I ask you to be my co-host. I watched this movie for the first time last year in 2018. What? Um, yeah, I'm not shaming you. I'm just sad that this hasn't been a bigger part of your life. No, I know. And uh, I love the movie. I think that it's really great. And I wish that we could have seen the whole thing on uh, at, in Miller Park because it was such a perfect way to see the movie. Uh, but yeah, I've seen it one time prior. Um, and it is a movie I've seen. I don't really know. I didn't prepare for this. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's pretty much it. Like I've seen it one time prior. I uh, I love the story. I love the shape of water, which I feel like these movies are kind of inextricably linked oh, now. Of course because they are. Creature from the Black Lagoon is basically a prequel to The Shape of Water. Um, or you could say Shape of Water is a sequel to The Creature since, you know. Sure. Yeah. Whatever. The order in which they came out. That's true. Um. <laughs> yeah, and I even read the book. It's funny because I read the the book, the novelization of The Shape of Water. And I love the, podcasting with you. I, I, I really do. <laughs> but no, what's funny is the prologue for, in the novelization of The Shape of Water is basically just Creature from the Black Lagoon, but with Michael Shannon's character as uh the I don't know the character's name is off off the top of my head, but um as like the boat captain. Um going out and hunting the creature so right very very interesting and it's got like an apocalypse now kind of vibe to it where like he and the creature have a showdown um uh, but yeah anyway creature from black lagoon uh if you haven't seen it you absolutely need to see it it's fantastic it's a classic for a reason uh and that really just shaped my expectation in i just expected to enjoy it even more right this second time so because I'd already seen it and I could dig into it a little bit deeper and just in that setting, it was just fantastic. So so um, my prior information is very different from yours in that this is one of my all-time favorite movies. Like if, uh, this is one of my Desert, desert Island movies. I was going to say Desert yeah. Island movie, yeah. So like the or, thing. Or, you know, if you're trapped in a national park and you, have all, you can only take five movies with you. Exactly. And I need to avoid bears. Um, bears hate swamp creatures. Everybody knows that. Um, yeah, two of the movies that would definitely be on my desert island or uh, stranded in the mountain mountains movies are uh, <laughs> shut up <laughs> are the thing <laughs> and creature from the black lagoon. Um, and then I would just start cheating on the rest of them because I can't limit myself to just five. Yep, <laughs> you bring. Uh, I, like combo packs with four movies in them i would bring five <laughs> like five terabyte hard drives <laughs> and just be like nope this counts as one it's kind of like when you pick up one cookie and all the damn cookies come up with it just yep. this counts as one this is one cookie yeah i'm bringing a, a hard drive <laughs> with terabytes worth of movies on them just like what this is where this movie is it only counts as one i like it <laughs> i'm bad at things like that <laughs> I absolutely love the creature from the Black Lagoon. As much as I love it, I'm ashamed to say I've not seen the like actual sequels. Um, but the the original creature from the Black Black Lagoon, I I love all of the Universal monster movies. Bride of Frankenstein is a perfect movie. Uh, Frankenstein is an almost perfect movie. Um, the Spanish Dracula, much love to. Um, Bella Lugosi, but the Spanish Dracula, oh my God. I've like I, whew, God, it, it, it is a better film. I love Frankenstein though. <laughs> and Bride. Those are my, Frankenstein's my favorite, but. Like the Universal Monsters, I don't 
care. Some people are like, they're not horror enough. You're wrong. They are like they are the epitome of horror because it gets it whatever. And that is a, <laughs> we, we will have a separate episode on why the Universal Monsters um, are like horror you already, to this day. You already have a separate episode on that, but we can do another one with me. We are. That is an episode that I will continue <laughs> to do because I just will. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I absolutely love the creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, I got to meet Rico Browning, the guy that played the creature in the underwater scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to talk to Mallory O'Mara and to discuss uh, the book about Millicent Patrick. Yeah, that was the one thing I was just sitting here thinking I didn't include in my prior info. Was we I just read uh, Lady from the Black Lagoon, which is about Millicent Patrick and digs into the history of the movie a little bit and especially in particular... Um, the designer of the creature. Yeah, and and so we got to talk to uh, to Mallory. Uh, she introed the movie. Um, Travis Knight, the guy that does the art for CFF, um, his drawing of Millicent painting the creature, like they had on the screen. So like yeah. everyone who was there knows the art that I now have hanging in my uh, in my geek den. <laughs> so like it is, I got it. I I love the movie so much and i love the creature as much as i love i'm going on a just tiny little creature rant right now as much as i love dracula and frankenstein and the invisible man and the wolfman as much as i love all of these things they're all sort of supernatural and there has to be suspension of disbelief to get on board with vampires or a guy who turns into a wolf or uh, reanimating the dead even though there was a recent article about reanimating dead pigs so we're on our way. Um, We're going to be dead soon. Yeah. Like, just watch Black Sheep. It does not turn out well. Not not the Chris <laughs> Farley movie. <laughs> no, watch the Chris Farley movie because that movie's awesome. <laughs> and then watch the one about the um, Scottish zombie sheep. So, but, but with Creature from the Black Lagoon, like, it, it starts out with very... Um, with very realistic science and with a lot of evolutionary stuff of, yeah, like we know more about space than we do about the ocean. And there are these, uh, these animals that live in the water that can come out and breathe on air. And like, there's all of this stuff. So like, how do we know that there wasn't a giant mutant fish man that lives in the Amazon? Why don't we have more horror movies based, like based on the ocean and how terrifying it is there's nothing it's, on there's nothing on earth or in space more terrifying than the ocean just watch open water god <laughs> just not even repeat. shark like just the deep ocean like who knows what kind of freaky shit's down there oh it it terrifies me uh really truly does i i think that you and i have even talked about this on one of the prior episodes talking about some of our genuine fears but like the concept of infinity terrifies me yeah me too and the middle of of like just the open ocean with nothing around and just how deep it is and how giant monsters can live down there. Like it terrifies me to think about. I I love watching like national geographic or planet earth or stuff like that, where they go into like the Mariana trench and you see all of this deep, dark oceany things. (laughs) I don't love that. That's terrifying. But like, there's always just that little bit of anxiety of just like, ah, I think they're going to discover a monster. This is it. This is going to be the end of the world. And we're watching it firsthand. They're going to find the Cloverfield monster down there. Pretty much. So, so I think that that is part of why I love the creature itself so much. And, oh man, sorry. I just have to say this really quick. Yes. That should be the next Cloverfield sequel is you think you're watching a National Geographic documentary. And then they discover a monster, and then it turns out you're secretly watching 
the fourth Cloverfield movie? I think that it should be the other way around. I think that it should start out as a Cloverfield movie. <laughs> that would be even more terrifying. But yes. then, um, oh, uh, uh, Richard Attenborough just comes in. And <laughs> Actually, this creature. <laughs> and just... I can't do Just, Richard Attenborough. You, you tricked us into watching a documentary. Mm. Also, isn't he dead? Eh, then it would fit. <laughs> okay. Like, if zombie version of him. Oh, man. This is the best podcast. <laughs> All right. So, Creature so, from the Black Lagoon. I could go <laughs> on and on and on and on and on. And that is my prior information is if you have ever met me, you know how much I love this movie. What you think of it from a technical standpoint? Technical standpoint. Um, I thought this was going to be one of our shortest segments of this episode. <laughs> no, I did too. Uh, technical standpoint, the creature is one of the best design monsters of all time, even to this day. I think that, especially like the face, like there's a few scenes in there where like you get a good close up of the face and it's it still looks damn good. Um, I think especially for movies made in the 50s, like it still feels groundbreaking. Like all of the un- underwater photography is yeah. absolutely extraordinary. I mean, it looks incredible. It's so beautiful. <laughs> I'd love to see the movie in 3D. I've never had a chance to do that, but I know that it, you, you watched it in 3D once, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, at an Alamo draft house, I think in Kansas City, I think. That would be, that would be fantastic. Real, real quick, uh, with seeing it in 3D, because we saw it at a draft house where, you know, like they come out and take orders for food and drinks and whatnot. Um, the people who work there are respectful and like they duck to when they walk in front of people so that they're not interrupting the movie. And the guy that was taking an order to someone like right next to me as he ducked to walk back to uh, to like actually put in the order. It was right at the part at the very beginning when the hand is coming out of the oh, uh, the wall, and so that like he was really ducking, like, like he was ducking under the hand as it was reaching out, and <laughs> it was funny. perfect. Loved it. That's funny. Uh, and that brings me to my next point: is that the creature of the Black Lagoon still actually maintains a pretty like it's still pretty scary. I think at times it's essentially it's kind of like a slasher movie, I guess, like a proto slasher. Uh, yeah, in a I, way. Would, I would say so. Um, and I think that the movie still retains the suspense that it had. I mean, I'm sure it was probably a lot scarier in 1954, but even today, like there are still scenes that kind of unsettled me and there are a couple of good jump scares in there. And, um, I, I don't know, man. I, I just think it's one of those movies that there's a reason why it stood the test of time. And I think that is, it is, I think that, like you said, the music is a little, too m- okay, we oh talked about God. how intrusive the music is in Body at Brighton Rock, or I did at least. Oh my God. Creature is even worse than that movie. It's like, da-da! Like, it's so... Every single time that you see the creature, especially, like, every time that the hand reaches out of the water, yes. it is, like, just, da-da! It's like somebody da-da! walks up next to you and just starts da-da! screaming in your ears. <laughs> That is that is literally my only complaint with the movie. It's is the I think music. some of the acting, and which is this is still, no man, the acting is typical of the era. Some of it's a little broad, but I mean, oh man, the works. acting is just fifties awesomeness. It works. You got strong John McGee, who is just a total dick, and you have other strong John McGee, who is also a dick, but like even more of a dick because he's not the one who's supposed to be with the girl. Uh, you have Julia Adams, God rest her soul, um, who is like, you know, she is she is a scientist and she is smart and she is strong and she is not just a damsel in distress. And 
I, part of the reason this movie has stood the test of time is because even though the creature is the monster, the humans are the villains. Like they, they are the invading species who are trying to destroy the habitat. Just cause. No, and again, this is why I think this is kind of a like one of the earliest slasher movies because it has that thing that you get in a lot of slasher movies where you're rooting for the bad guy. Like, yeah, yeah go kill those teenagers. Like, And in those movies, it's usually like, I want to see a gory kill. And the creature's just like, fuck these people. Yeah. They're terrible. They, I want they are them destroying to die. his home. They're they're roofing him. They are roofing an oh, entire yeah, lagoon. Like, it's so it's so. They insane. are the worst. And it feels, that feels like so, so ahead of its time. Like all of the themes about like destroying the environment and everything. Like that's something that has completely stood the test of time and feels probably even more relevant today than it did in 1954 when people, you know, didn't give a sh- as much of a shit about the environment yeah. or didn't realize how, I mean, I guess it's even, yeah, I guess they just didn't, re- they didn't realize how well, and one of the things we've been mistreating the environment at that point. And I know that I've talked about this before and anytime that we do like a full review of the creature or anytime it's a part of like a long discussion, this is probably going to come up. I, I love, love, love the scene where it's it's such a minor scene, but I just I love it. Um, after they've uh, roofied the lagoon and all of those dead fish are rising up, like the scene right before that, so they've just dumped all the uh, rohypnol into the lagoon, and one of the guy who's smoking flips his cigarette into the lagoon, and you don't just like see him flip it off of camera; like it focuses on the cigarette landing in the lagoon. The next scene is all of the dead fish. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that had to be intentional of, yeah, they had just poisoned them. But then also, like, they're they're literaling, literaling, <clears throat> you know what? That's going to be my new term for when someone destroys a conversation by using the word literally too much. Yep. They're literally to stop all of this literally. <laughs> <laughs> I literally hate it when people literal. What's the, what's the, okay. Anyway, I'm just picturing the, um, the owl with the give a hoot, don't pollute, but give a hoot, speak proper grammar. You learn that literally means literally, not figuratively. What were we talking about? cigarettes yes so when they flip the cigarette in and it kills all the fish like again subtle scene but there is a huge part of environmentalism that's being shown in that scene and i I just love it i need to stop talking because i love this movie too much yeah again my only complaint is the music all right so we're skipping everything else is emotional um because we know how you feel about it emotionally emotionally i think it's a great movie and i really want to watch it again at some point i need to go through all of these universal monster movies you need um, to just come over and watch them. I know, I do. I really do. Um, but yeah, it is great, and that's it. I love it. There, There is one way to watch The Creature that I have not seen yet that, like, God, I, I need oh, to see it this way. We can do it this way at my in-laws because my in- I already know where you're going with this. Yeah, of course you do. My, uh, we did this with Jaws where we went, we went swimming and then had Jaws playing up on the projector. Yep. So doing this, doing that with Creature from the Black Lagoon would be fantastic. Yeah. I need to watch this in a pool. Yes. It's one, also Jaws, but especially Creature. Like it just, it is a total like summer pool movie. Yeah. Gotta watch it that way. I'm going to make that happen this this summer. Also, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. I still haven't seen Nightmare. I've only seen the first Nightmare on Elm Street. We need. I really, really want to do this at some point. 
This, the, this is the junk food equivalent of take a shot because we're going to be covering all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. And I'm gonna we're going to get so much hate so when much. we talk about those. Yes, we. Are. Yes, you are. <sighs> like so I'm, much. I'm already like expecting how much hate I'm going to get when we talk about the. Nightmare I really movies. just want to talk about it so we can flip this conversation that <laughs> that we've had today to where. You are the one who's wrong. No, no, I'm not wrong because I am like a thousand percent uh, aware of why I feel the way that I do. Also, just realized that I accidentally said that I'm wrong and I did not mean it that way. But whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's not out getting edited out. <laughs> you heard it right here. Eric's wrong. All right. We and need Night to move Round on. Street <laughs> no. is fantastic. All right. So emotionally wonderful rewatchability. Yes emotional i mean f- i don't know what, <laughs> what podcast are we doing right now okay um who do i recommend it movie f- just fire yes, me now no who do i recommend this movie for <laughs> everyone every human being on the planet yeah it, and non-human beings yes especially all the sea creatures all all the sea creatures actually if we show this movie to the sea creatures they're probably want to murder us yep we deserve it mm, yeah yeah that's like the uh um that's how we could like have the Thanos snap for real. It's just exactly. show a creature to the sea creatures. So it's like Cloverfield monster that's hiding out there in the depths of the Marianas Trench. Exactly. Um, yeah, emotional. I love this movie. I love it so much. Um, rewatchability every single day. I I would not get sick of watching this movie l- literally, and I do mean literally <laughs> and not figuratively. I would not get sick of watching this movie literally every day. And I recommend it for the everyone, like from four to four hundred. After you turn four hundred and one, sorry, you're too old. <laughs> At that point, you're absolutely, it's just too late. <laughs> How just, old is the creature? I wonder. He's got. He's probably hundreds of years yeah, old. Yeah, like he is obviously. Even if he so himself he is movie. not old, like he is the product of eons of evolution. Mm-hmm. So, like, he might not be thousands of years old. But his his ancestors are. They're all dead, though. So well, sure. All right. <laughs> or are they? Dum dum dum. Da da. Oh, no, sorry. Da. <laughs> We're the worst. Oh man! You need to actually <laughs> play the real creature music in there. Da da. It's so bad. <laughs> it's and I don't think that I realized <laughs> you know what would be awesome how bad the music was until like just in the last year or so that I was watching it. I was like, I love this movie. I love this movie. Da-da, well, da-da. I, I love this movie. Da-da, when, da-da. Oh my God. I need to mute it every time the creature shows up. Well, well, I remember when I watched the movie, like I watched it really late at night and uh, like I was, I was, was I never It'll fell keep asleep. It'll you from falling asleep. No, I, I never fell asleep, <laughs> but there were a few times where I was like starting to like shut my eyes a little bit, but then every time I did it, it was like, da-da. So like, I just I love up. how much we've done that in the last twenty minutes of this episode. I think that we should do that. At the beginning <laughs> we've of lost the any any listeners we had. Every time, it, <laughs> it's like, hello and welcome to another episode of the Gargoyle Podcast. Ta da! The worst. All right, so yeah, Creature <laughs> on the Black Lagoon. If you haven't seen it, you gotta watch it. I it's mean, perfect, it's, and not much else we can add to the conversation. And then go read Mallory O'Meara's book, uh, The Lady from the Black Lagoon. Yes, definitely, because yeah. it is phenomenal it's great love it and especially if you love creature it's it's ab- an absolute must read yeah even if you don't love the creature or if you ever used to watch fantasia yeah for sure yeah all right is there anything else that we need to say about any of these movies because we have been talking for a very long time at this point um nope 
All right, cool. Um, <laughs> we This was just the start of our actual reviews of the movies. We have many more movies to cover, um, and... Yeah, we're going to get through those. Uh, I'm not going to say which episode is coming next because I'm not 100% of which one will end up coming out next. Um, but uh, we've, we've got some good things coming. We've got some special guests who are going to be joining us and uh, lots, lots of CFF coverage still coming your way. All right, Eric, where do you want people to find you? Follow me on Twitter at the Chimerican, on Instagram at Chimerican Reviews, and on Letterboxd.ericjay. And you can follow me on Facebook and on Instagram at The Gargoyle Podcast, on Twitter at Gargoyle Podcast, and on Letterboxd at The Gargoyle. And if you enjoyed this episode and want to know our thoughts on the rest of the movies that we saw at the Chattanooga Film Festival, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Wherever you're listening to this right now, just click on subscribe. Doesn't even make sense for me to talk through all of the different places that you can find it because you obviously found it somewhere. Just click on subscribe. Congratulations. Yes, your ears work. Now click on subscribe. And review us if you like the podcast. If you don't like the podcast, do not review us. <laughs> you can review Eric if you don't like yeah, the podcast. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Just send me an angry DM. <laughs> does, it, does that stand for damn it, man? Yes. Because it doesn't now. I have. Oh, you know, I almost said I don't know what it stands for, but I do. Just kidding. <laughs> it stands for damn cut, it, man. Cut that part out. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Subscribe. Um, leave some feedback. Let us know what movies you want us to cover once we eventually get through all of our Chat Film Fest coverage. And I think that's it. I yeah, think. I'm all words out. All right. That's been it for this episode of the Gargoyle Podcast. I'm Nathan, a.k.a. the Gargoyle. And I'm Eric, a.k.a. the Chimerican. And remember, kids, da 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 da. That's the worst. Oh no! Outro actually, yet. I forgot about this. I did have another word. Just, just really quick. I want to see this movie like played in a theater uh-huh. with a live orchestra. Oh, that'd be great. Except for with the live orchestra, they're actually a marching band, and they're just running around, standing next to you, and just like sticking <laughs> the trombone right in your in face, and going like. <laughs> yep. I want to see it as an orchestra, but everyone dressed as uh, creatures. Then they would be able to play very well. No, the creatures got big lips. (laughs) What? Creatures got great lips for playing any sort of horned instrument. He does. I was just thinking because the way the suit's made is you can't really see with the eyes. Like they had to have special eyes so that way it kept the water out, which you couldn't see. Anyway. Ta-da! Bye.